Well, good morning, everyone, and uh, thanks so much for being here today. Uh, this is uh, Veterans Weekend, and uh, do we have any veterans here? I, know, I, think, I believe we have some. Would you stand? Uh, we just want to honor you and recognize you. Would you just stand? Thank you so much. <laughs> veterans, those in active duty, thank, thank you so much for serving our country uh, and your the branch of the armed forces you served within. And um, I'd love for you to have your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to finish uh, this series we started several weeks ago called Bringing Heaven to Earth. And as you turn there, um, you know, every pastor has a few reoccurring nightmares. Um, one is that you forget to prepare anything, uh, a sermon, you have no notes, you are scheduled to preach, and that's a nightmare. And then also that you forget to wear a certain item of clothing. Um, what I just did, always, every time I'm changing in the bathroom, it's like, put it all back on, put it all back on. You don't want to live out your nightmare. Uh, but it just, it creates the opportunity for something like that to happen. So I, I think I have everything on. If I don't, please, someone let me know quickly. Uh, but... Uh, so we're finishing this series. It has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about today. So we're finishing this series, Bringing Heaven to Earth. And the, the heart behind it back in September uh, when we started this was the reality for every single one of us, I think we would all admit that we could use more of heaven on earth. Um, the reality is every day, like every day that goes by, every week that goes by, this week was no different. We're reminded of this reality that we could use more of heaven here on this earth. Uh, we, based on the events that happened, 26 people killed in a church in Sutherland, Texas, Sutherland Springs, Texas. And we go on and on for the stories that are coming out, not just stories we hear in the news, but things that are happening in our, in our homes, things that are happening in our neighborhoods, in our communities. We could all use more of heaven here on earth, and hence the name of this series, Bringing Heaven to Earth. And we've tried to answer the question, how does that happen? How do we get more of heaven here on earth? How does earth become more like heaven? And I think there's a number of ways that takes place, but one we've kind of focused on and honed in on over these several weeks we've been going through uh, this series is through God's people. That God chooses, he could have done things any way he wanted to do it, but God sovereignly chose to work through his church. It's not a building, the church, I think we know this, but I think it's always good to say, say these things, the church is not this building. This is a place. This is a these are this is brick and mortar. This is a place we meet, we gather, we congregate. Some people gather in a home. Some people gather on a in a, in, a, in in different settings, uh, high school cafeterias. They they gather in all different settings. The the place isn't the church. It's the people, and God wants to work through people to bring heaven. Uh, to earth through the way we live our lives, the way we speak, the way we act, the way we deal with the issues that come up in our lives. And, and we believe it's also one of the ways that we live this way is through prayer. And not just praying a prayer, but allowing a prayer to form how we live. Prayer is never just to be this transactional, trying to get things from God. But prayer really is to be a, a formational activity or discipline that shapes. The, the things we pray about regularly help shape how we live. And we've been looking at this very familiar prayer uh, from Matthew chapter 13. Whatever faith, background, or perspective you bring to this place, you have probably, in one way or another, heard of this prayer. You probably have recited this prayer. 
And it's called the Lord's Prayer. It's the prayer Jesus taught his disciples there in Galilee on that hillside in a, uh, in, in a, in a greater teaching called the Sermon on the Mount. And it's the prayer that we have been learning from and not just trying to learn it, but to live it. And what I'd like to do, we actually haven't done this the whole series, and, and I thought it'd be good here on the last weekend of it to actually recite it together. Um, so up on the screen will be the prayer. And uh, I just like us to pray. Just pray this prayer, recite this prayer. So I'll, let's start together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We just don't want to say a prayer. We just don't want to recite a prayer. We want this prayer to really form, shape how we live, how we live our lives, to impact every day, the normal, the mundane places we go, the normal relationships we're in. We want this prayer to inform and shape how we live our lives. And today we're going to find ourselves focusing on this last statement in this prayer. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Now if you are looking at this uh, prayer in the Bible you have in front of you, whether it's on a device or paper form, whatever uh, form you have of the Bible in front of you, most likely it's not in verse 13. Now, I don't know if that surprised you because the prayer we just recited, uh, there might be subtle differences depending on the tradition or background you grew up in, um, are used to, but that is basically the Lord's Prayer that is recited in that last statement, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, is a part of the prayer, but maybe you've never realized it's not part of Matthew 13, or Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. It's kind of like when you're watching those Marvel movies, um, you have to kind of wait through the credits to get some of the bonus material, like the extra videos. It's kind of like that. You, you get through the Lord's Prayer and it's not there. You got to dig a little bit. You got to wait a little bit. You got to figure out, you got to actually go down in my Bible, the, the NIV that I have in front of me, it's actually a footnote at the bottom. And it says something like this, under 13, uh, it says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So if it's not in verse 13, it's a footnote, what does that all mean? And should we even talk about it? Should we teach on it? Those are some questions we need to just talk about for a moment. You need to understand, or I want you to understand, that this statement is not in the earliest manuscripts of Matthew. Um, it's not in what we would consider the best manuscripts of Matthew that we have. In most of your Bibles, like mine, it's a footnote. Um, many have called this phrase, and I think rightfully so, a doxology, which literally means a word of praise. Some, based on your tradition that you grew up in, you sang a song called the doxology. And basically, it's a, it's a song of praise. So where did this come from? Well, what we believe, based on extra-biblical writings, that it first appeared in the late 2nd century. Um, it's included in the midst of the Lord's Prayer. It's at the end of the Lord's Prayer in some late 2nd century writings. So why add this? 
Why, if it wasn't something Jesus prayed here in Matthew, 3, in Matthew chapter 6 and the Sermon on the Mount, why was it added? I believe there's a number of reasons. One being it was very customary as Jews would pray to not end a prayer with and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. It wouldn't end there, but they would end with a, a word of praise at the end of the prayer. And many times those words of praise, actually all the time, was directed towards God and who He is. And, and it's actually, there's another prayer that's recorded for us. It's similar, actually, back in the Old Testament. It's 2 Chronicles chapter 29. I'm not going to read it all, but we can just put it up there. Uh, 2 Chronicles 29, I'll read some of this. It says, David praised the Lord. So what happens here is, this is the, um, the, the temple. Uh, David is gathering all the resources to build this temple. So many resources have come in, and there's, a, there's a, a pause, and David prays, and he prays this. This is a prayer. It's really a word. It's a doxology. It's a word of praise. He says, praise be to you, O Lord, God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. And you'll notice as we go through this that there's actually some similarities to this doxology. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours... O Lord, is the kingdom, and you are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, God, we give thanks and praise to your glorious name. It's a doxology. It's as he's ending his prayer, he would add this to the prayer. And many scholars believe that's what happened. As these scholars are looking over this prayer, there was a sense of adding this doxology, adding this word of praise. So a good question to ask then is if this is not part of the original prayer, Matthew, thir- Matthew chapter 6, verse 13, is it, in- is it good to teach from? Is it good to talk about? Is it appropriate to talk about? I like what Ken Hughes says. Ken Hughes is a pastor. He r- he's written a number of commentaries. He said this about this section of the Lord's Prayer. He said, the Lord's Prayer is an outline. It's a model of what our prayer should contain. And there is nothing wrong with the additional phrase and doxology in keeping with the spirit of the prayer. It doesn't go its own way. It doesn't go off to the right. It it connects actually all the themes we've already talked about. So it connects with the spirit of the prayer. And he adds this, as long as we don't imagine that Jesus said it, and I think this is important, um, I would be one who would believe that Jesus didn't actually say this portion of the Lord's Prayer, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever was added later. But I believe it is still, it's biblical in nature, it's, it speaks to the spirit of the prayer, and I think it's instructive. It even helps us rehearse the themes of the prayer. So we're going to use it. We're going to learn from it. We're going to talk about it uh, even today. So let's unpack these three statements, these words of praise. That's really what they are, our words of praise as we end this prayer. And you even think about it too, that it is a natural response when we pray Matthew chapter 6, and we're praying through the Lord's prayer, and we're seeing God's kingdom come to earth, we're seeing God's kingdom show up, we're seeing God's name be hallowed, we're seeing him provide daily bread, we're seeing him deliver us from the temptations we face. A natural response is praise. That is a natural response when we see God show up and answer prayer. So again, I think it's appropriate that we would use these last three statements of the Lord's prayer to learn. And really, again, they're words of praise 
to be spoken out. We're actually going to sing them out after this message. We're going to sing these words. So let's talk about this. Let's think about for a moment, dig into this first statement. Yours is the kingdom. This is not the first time we've talked about the kingdom of God. It's embedded in the prayer. We talked about the kingdom of God last week. We realized again and again that God's kingdom runs contrary or it's different than the kingdom of this world, the the values and ideals of this world. And I think the, the continual process for all of us is being aligning our lives more and more in with the kingdom of God than the kingdom of this world. That's the challenge before us continually. But as we pray this prayer, as we speak these words of praise, God, yours is the kingdom, we're held in this tension. This already not yet tension of the kingdom. We talked about this a number of weeks ago. There is this reality to the kingdom of God that it's here. We can experience it today. Jesus, um, when he began his kind of uh, um, ministry, if you will, when he began the preaching and the teaching and the healings, he said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. What that near, what that word literally means is at hand. It's here today. You can experience it. It's tangible. You can reach out and touch it. So what you see as you watch Jesus go throughout his life on this earth is the kingdom of God showed up. People were healed. That's the kingdom of God. People were set free from uh, demonic uh, oppression in their life. People were born again. They were raised from death to life. That's the kingdom of God showing up. And we believe the kingdom of God still wants to show up today. That here in Northeast Ohio, in Brunswick, Ohio, in Hinckley, in Medina, in Strongsville, wherever you call home, God's desire is that we would pray and live in such a way that we believe the kingdom of God can come today. That's what he wants us to, the, the perspective he wants us to live with every single day. That, that the situations in, 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 we deal with in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, what would it look like for the kingdom of God to come? Where there's hate. There's a lot of hate in our world today. I mean, on so many levels. So the kingdom of God is not a kingdom of hate, it's peace, and it's love, and it's reconciliation. So what does that look like for the kingdom of God to show up in hate and bring healing and peace? What does it look like in our workplace? Let's bring it more down to earth. There's maybe disagreements in your workplace. What does it look like for the kingdom of God to show up there? In your homes, what does it look like for the kingdom of God to show up there? This also reminds us that that as we pray pray this prayer of praise, yours is the kingdom, we realize it's not about building the name of Hope Church about like our kingdom here in Northeast Ohio, in Brunswick, Ohio. It's not about Hope Church's name. It's not about building Hope Church's kingdom in this place. It's about God's kingdom. And that's why um, I'm so thankful for the relationships that we have with other churches in our community. I just had lunch with one of the senior pastors of another church here in Brunswick. And you know what? As we talk, we realize we're on the same team. I'm not, Hope Church is not competing with his church, and his church isn't competing with our church. As we talked, we prayed for each other, we encouraged each other, we even said, how can we help each other? Because this isn't about Hope Church, and it's not about his church down the road, and it's not about the other churches, it's about God's kingdom. Yours is the kingdom. 
So we have a bigger perspective. That's why we, we continue to pray and, and thank God and hope that God will raise up other churches in this community. We're not threatened when other churches start because we're about God's kingdom. And there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people just in this community that need to hear about the love of Jesus. We need more churches in this community. And as we pray this prayer of praise, God, we're reminded it's your kingdom. It's not about my kingdom, hope church, it's about your kingdom. But we live in this tension that it's here, we can experience it today, but not fully, not completely. We know there is a kingdom to come. We know there's a greater kingdom to come. And that's the tension we live within. Uh, the book of Revelation gives us pictures of what this kingdom is going to look like. Revelation chapter 11, it talks about this. Revelation chapter 11, it says, uh, verse 15, it says, The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of this world has, has, has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. It's his kingdom that is coming one day. And it's interesting, it's important for us to be reminded when Jesus prayed this prayer, taught this prayer, I should say, your kingdom come, and even this portion of the prayer, yours is the kingdom. These people were living under uh, the, another kingdom's power. Rome. And Rome was powerful in that time. So even as they pray this prayer, as they hear this word of praise, it's, it's almost a prayer of faith that God, I know there's this other kingdom that seems powerful and it seems like nothing is going to stop them and they seem to be expanding their influence. But in a way we are praying, God, I know, even in the midst of that reality, I know there's coming a day where this kingdom will be put away and your kingdom will reign. So even this prayer as we, we live in this already, God's kingdom is here, but it's not fully here. We live in the kingdom of this world. This is where we live right now. We know sometimes the kingdoms of this world seem pretty powerful and controlling, but we know in faith that there's coming a day where God's kingdom is going to fully come. And we live in light of that. So this prayer of praise gives us faith and it gives us courage to live within this tension. Yours is the power. Within a kingdom, power is important. Within a kingdom, power is important. And those in the early church, the scholars, the people who added this phrase were reminded that God, yours is the power. Yours is all powerful. We talked last week about we have an enemy. We call him the evil one. It's in this prayer for deliver us from the evil one. We know we have an enemy who's powerful and he wants to destroy what God is doing. He wants to hinder what God is doing. Because God has an enemy, we have an enemy. And at times this enemy can seem powerful, but it's restrained. I like to describe it as on a leash. It's restrained. And it's not just the reality of the enemy. There's also issues within us. There's weakness in us. There's frailty in us. There's struggles within us that can at times hinder God's mission, God's kingdom from going forward. And even in this prayer, in this word of praise, there's this tension. We are powerless, but we know one who's all-powerful. 
And we call out to him. We say, God, you are the source of all power. You are the source of all strength. And in a sense, there's a, there's a sense of submission here to realize, God, I'm not powerful enough to defeat this enemy. I'm not powerful enough to live for your kingdom. I'm not powerful enough to hallow and make your name holy. I know my struggles. I know my temptations. I know the bents in my life. I know the things I struggle with. God, I need your power to help me live the way you want me to live. And you know what? He says, I'm going to give you my power. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And he's going to empower you, help you, come alongside you, fill you to live the way I want you to live. Now, what we do with that power is important. Power is not meant to manipulate or control, but power is meant to bless and lift others up. Jesus, you think of the power he had. And he continually used his power, if you will, to lift others up, to serve and to love, to listen, to heal, to be present. So we live even within this tension. Yours is the power. We don't have it, but I'm thankful that you do. And then this last phrase, yours is the glory. Yours is the glory. We come to this last prayer of praise within the doxology here of the Lord's Prayer. And as we, come to this word, as we come to this prayer of praise, we have to wrestle with the question, who gets the credit? If God's kingdom comes, if people are healed, if we see God's uh, kingdom show up in tangible ways, if we see God work through us in our neighborhoods, in our homes, in our communities, who gets the credit? And this phrase reminds us again that God gets the glory for what happens. God gets the credit through our lives. It's him that people see. This prayer, this prayer of praise, yours is the glory. The idea of God getting glory through our lives was the continual prayer of Jesus all the way through his life. God, would you, your, would my father get the glory? Just one example, John 17 Verse 1. John 17, verse 1. This is the, Jesus is praying in John 17. He's on the heels of being arrested, tried, uh, 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 beaten, tortured, and then crucified. And this is what he prays. This is what's on Jesus' mind towards the end of his life. He says, after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and he prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. God, through my death, would people see you, who you are, your character, your person, your presence, your essence, your heart, through the way I even die, would people see you? This is the way Jesus lived his life, realizing that through his life, he, people are getting a tangible picture of who God is. And this simple prayer of praise, God, yours is the glory, reminds us every day that through my life, people are getting a picture, a taste of who God is. Whether we know it or not, whether you talk about it with them or not, people, the way you respond to people, the way you act towards people, the way you speak to people, the way you post on social media, People are getting a picture of who God is. 
And I think there's people in our world today that are really wondering, what in the world is God like? What is God like? What does God think of all these things happening? How would God respond? And you know how people get an answer? Through us. Through the church. Everyone who calls themselves a follower of Jesus is giving off a picture, an image, a taste, if you will, of who God is. In this word of praise, God, you get the glory. Through my life, would you glorify yourself? Three simple yet profound words of praise. Yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, and yours is the glory forever and ever. Amen. So just one question as we, I think it's important to think about for a moment as we wrap up this series, these weeks. How does this move beyond Sunday? Because that's the challenge, isn't it? That's the challenge for every single one of us, myself included. How, how do we move beyond just learning about a prayer over these weeks, thinking about it, unpacking it, digging into each phrase, reciting it, hearing others recite it? How, do we, how does it move beyond these walls into everyday life? That's the challenge before us. There's maybe a lot of different ways. I just want to mention three. Humility. I think if this is going to move beyond Sunday, we have to be people that are incredibly humble and dependent on God. Like we talked about last week, not just when the bottom falls out, but every single day. God, I need your help today. I need your power today. I need your enabling. I need your eyes. I need your perspective. I need your help against temptation. I feel drawn to this behavior and it's strong. God, would you deliver me? That's, that's humility to say, God, I have weaknesses. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share those with someone I trust so they can ask me, how are you doing with what you're looking at on the computer? How about that relationship with that coworker that's not your wife or not your husband? How's that going? To, to ask those, how, how's, how's, like your, how are you doing with your money? Like ask those types of questions, that sense of dependency on God. Not just when life is hard, the emergency situation pops up, but every single day to say, God, I need your help today and I want to walk with you today and I want to see your kingdom come. I want your name to be made holy through my, seen to be holy through my life. Would you provide what I need today? That sense of humility, that desperation every day. I think hunger, not physical hunger, <laughs> but hunger. Do we really desire honestly to see God's kingdom come? Do we hunger for that? Do we long for that? Do we live like that? Do we pray like that? Do we long to see that? Do we really hunger for God's kingdom to come? That earth to be more like heaven. And then lastly, it's going to take honesty. And what I mean by honesty is courage. Courage to look at the situations where God's kingdom, it's, it's not God's kingdom right now. That is not what God's kingdom would be like. And it's one thing to acknowledge those things, but it's a whole other thing to move towards those things. To move into situations to bring God's kingdom. To move towards people that maybe disagree with us on a variety of issues and matters to move towards them instead of away. Honesty and courage to move towards where God's kingdom is not present 
and to say, God, I long for your kingdom to show up here through me. There's a lot of different ways it can move beyond Sunday, but these were just a few. Maybe even practically for some, it might be just saying, okay, for the next 30 days, I'm going to pray this prayer. I'm going to pray it as I go to work. I'm going to pray it as I go to school. I'm going to pray it before I go to bed. I'm going to pray it as a family around the table. I'm going to pray it with some friends. Just every day, maybe put a reminder on your phone at noon, every day, just to begin praying this prayer. And I really believe that as we just don't pray it, we're going to begin being formed by it and living by it, shaped by it. So as we think of all that's taking place in our world, you think of all the challenges and difficulties and pain and suffering and divisions and and, uh, things are polarized, people are polarized, unlike I think any other time in history. When you think of all that's going on, we we can have a variety of responses. One can be the bunker mentality. We can say, you know what? It is bad and it's only going to get worse. I'm going to bunker down, hold on till heaven. And we just kind of get through, put our head down and we get through. Or, friends, we can look at all these things happening as opportunities to represent God and to bring his kingdom into these situations that are not easy. They're complex. and They're challenging. I believe that's what the world desperately needs. I think that's what we're called to as a church, honestly. The church isn't called to be a stadium where people are just spectators. The church isn't called to be a mall where people are just consumers. The church isn't called to be a sanctified subway car. It's just a group of different people on a journey somewhere. The church is called to be a group of people that say, you know what? I've experienced God's grace and mercy, and I know this world is a mess. But God, I know you are active in the midst of it. And I'm going to join you and follow you. And I will long to see your kingdom come in this place in my neighborhood, in my home, in my community, in my school, on the job site, wherever you might be. God, I long to see your... I want to join what you are already doing in this place. I just don't want to be a bystander. It's not just for some people. It's for all followers of Jesus. So might we, beyond this week, beyond Sunday, pray this prayer, and I believe in doing so, we're going to be helping people find hope. We're going to be bringing heaven to earth. And I think that's why God raised up this church some eight years ago now, is to help people find hope. And in doing that, we're going to be bringing heaven to earth. So I'm going to pray for us. We're going to sing these words that we just prayed or learned about. And let's sing them as words of praise. Let me pray. God, I want to thank you for this journey. I want to thank you for the things we've learned. I want to the things we're still learning, God, we have not mined the depths of this prayer. There's so much more to it. So God, I pray that it would would move beyond Sunday. It would move into the fabric, the reality of who we are, everyday life. Lord, I do pray that we would be humble people and say, God, we need you every day, every moment. We'd hunger for more of your kingdom. We'd hunger for more of you. And we'd be honest. We'd say, this is not right. God's kingdom is not present right here. And we'd have the courage to move. And would you give us the power we need? Would you give us the help we need, provision we need? Keep us from the evil one. So 
that with this prayer continue to form who we are as a people, as a church, in this place. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.